Welcome to the IC Made On podcast. We are so glad that you've chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. I am so excited to be here and excited about the series that we started last week about relationships in our life because our life is filled with relationships. And I thought I'd tell you a little bit more about myself. I am the youngest of six uh, siblings. I have four older brothers and an older sister, and they're all old, and I'm young. And my mother is still alive. She's 89 years old. She still lives by herself, and she still drives a car. Not in Maidan. <laughs> no. She still, she still leads two life groups and a Bible study in the place where she lives. And uh, she's amazing. And as I told you last week, me and my wife have been married 36 years. Uh, 37 years ago, we were engaged to be married. At Valentine's was coming up, so, you know, I'm engaged and, you know, I'm wanting to really impress my woman and... So I come up with this idea. I called it the 14 days of Valentine. I started on February the 1st, and every day for 14 days, I would give her a note or a card or a little sucker that said with a heart on it or just, just something a little, you know. And then on Valentine's Day, I took her to dinner and all that stuff, you know. And, oh, it was wonderful. Two months later, we got married. The next Valentine's came, and... Uh, so she was expecting 14 days of Valentine. I'd forgot all about 14 days of Valentine. I had conquered. I mean, I had this woman. She's mine now. So on Valentine's Day, I call her from work. I say, I'm going to be late coming home. She's thinking, oh, he didn't get me anything. He must have something really big planned. I realized that uh, I had forgotten, so I stopped by the shoe store, bought some discount tennis shoes, Came home, still had them in the bag, not wrapped. I set her on the bed, close your eyes. I pull them out. She opens it. She busts out into tears. She cried all night long. For the next 35 years, I have not missed 14 days of Valentine. I do it every year. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the guys are saying, you should not have told that. Yeah. We're talking about relationships. And last week, we really introduced what, what relationships are all about and the difference in real relationships and real love and what fake love is. That, that you can't base love and relationships on culture. Culture is crazy, and it's all fake. You can't get your cues or learn how to build life-giving relationships from movies or music or social media. I call it fake book and Insta scam because it's not real. But, but yet God created us for relationships to have real relationships where we would be life-giving. To every relationship, we bring life instead of sucking the life out of it. Last week, we learned that the foundation for real life-giving relationships is unconditional love and unconditional honor. 
that we can be life-giving in all of our relationships, friendships, family, on our jobs, in our, in our marriages, when we choose with the love that we show and the honor that we give to be life-giving. Well, today I want to just kind of take it up a notch because here's what Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verse number 34. He said, this is a new command I give you. In other words, this, this is countercultural. This is not what your buddies at work are going to tell you. This is not what you're going to see in the movies. He says, I'm commanding you to love one another. Even as I have loved you, you must love one another. Now, for him to command us to love tells us right up front, love is not about what we get, but it's about what we give. It's not some uncontrollable ocean of emotion, quiver in the liver, something that just happens, I fell into it. But it is something that is a deliberate choice that we make to give love to everyone that we come in contact with. And, and that, that we make a, a, a choice to, to show that love. Love is not love until it becomes an expression, until it becomes an action, until you literally do something that shows people that we love them. So today I want to give you some building blocks that we build upon the foundation of love and honor so that every one of us can build life-giving relationships that are going to last. And, and the reason God wants us to, to know this is because we live in a culture where relationships have become disposable. And people are walking in and out of relationships. And God says, I want you to, to confront that culture, to correct that culture, and show the world how to build lasting, life-giving relationships. Now, if we don't take our cues from culture, most of us learn from either the family we grew up in which may have given, a, given us some great building blocks, or in some of our families, we learned all the wrong things to do. Or we learn how to build relationships based on our experiences. And if we were betrayed, if we opened our heart to a friend, and then we found out they told everything we said to someone else who then told someone else, then, then we, we immediately began to build walls we began to, to hold people away from us. We began to distrust people. And therefore, all of our relationships are affected by some kind of experience we've had in the past. So we go to God's word because God created us. He created relationships. And he's the one that gives us the building blocks to build these relationships. Here's what he said in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9. He says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. In other words, it's not about what's coming from somebody else to you. You can't control that. What you can control and what real love is, is not what you get, but it's what you give. And do it from the very center of who you are. Don't fake it, but let it be real from on the inside of you. So... I would like to give you the first building block. And the first building block that we put if we're going to build lasting, life-giving relationships is the building block of trust. People are insecure. So give them confidence. Now, when I talk about this building block of trust, I want you to understand I'm not just 
preaching to you or giving you theory. 36 years ago when I married my wife, my wife had come from a broken home. In fact, her mother had been married five times. She had many people walk in her life and walk out of her life. In fact, she lived with her father who was an alcoholic for some time. And he married a woman who physically tortured my wife and emotionally controlled her. This woman would, would put my wife in a corner and make her stand on her tiptoes. And then she would put nails under her feet to where she would have to stand. She would hold her under water until she would pass out. So, so when I married my wife, she was filled with insecurities. She, she couldn't trust anybody. And so, so the building block of trust is something that you and I can give to other people in our friendships, in our work relationships. We have no idea the experiences that other people have had. But here's what God says we can do. We can encourage people. We can give them confidence. We can believe in people. Most people have had nobody to believe in them. Their whole life has been conditional. Whether they could live up to people's expectations. And most people's expectations were unrealistic. So most people have never been able to live up to people's expectations. Most of their jobs, they fail their evaluations or their evaluations are critical. And everyone you come in contact just needs somebody to believe in them. They're filled with insecurities. But we can instill trust in people. And the way we do that is by, first of all, being trustworthy. Showing people that you can depend on me. That I will be there. Doing on your job when, when you have responsibilities. Fulfill your responsibilities. Your, your fellow em, uh, employees are depending on you. Do your part. Show them that you won't let them down. When you, when you have friendships and you tell one of your friends, I'm going to meet you at Starbucks at 3 o'clock, be on time. Uh-uh, I need an amen on that one. Be on time. See, 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 nobody else may have ever been consistent in their life, but you can instill trust in them. You can say, I believe in you. You're valuable, so I'm going to be there in your life. I'm going to show you that you can trust me, and I am going to extend trust to you. Even though people may have let you down, everybody may have let you down in your life, but you can choose to extend trust to other people. Show them that you believe in them. It builds their confidence. They begin to believe that they can do more, that they can become more, they can depend on you. Somebody sees value in them. I have found this to be true. If you will raise your value of people, people will rise to the level of value you place on them. If you'll just up your belief in them, the Bible says it like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another. Encourage one another. People are insecure. You can put courage in them 
How? Do something or say something intentionally that says, I believe in you. I believe there's greatness in you. I believe God has a plan for your life. I believe you can be everything that God has planned for you. And I'm going to show you that I believe in you by being trustworthy in your life. Because my wife had so many relationships in and out of her life, and she had no confidence. I would tell her, I believe in you. I believe there's greatness on the inside of you. She was very shy when we first got married. She's not shy today. No, she's uh, very active in the government in the city in which we live in. She's very active in the church. She's a pastor in the church at our home. And in fact, uh, when the city does any kind of major event, they come to my wife and they want my wife to help put the event together because now she is a very confident, outgoing woman and people see that confidence in her. When, when we got married, I decided that I would remind her every day that I loved her. Do you know in our society today, no matter where you go in the world, it's a proven fact that most women never fully believe that their husbands love them. Now, I know what you're thinking. All my wife does. I challenge you to do what I've done many times. When you get home, when you leave this service, stop, look your wife in the eyes, and say, babe, you know that preacher, he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> babe, you know I love you. And watch your eyes. They'll go down or to the side. So I tell my wife every day, I love you. Every time I talk to her on the phone, I tell her I love her. Every time I text her, I tell her I love her. All during the day. I made sure she knew she could trust me. I'd leave my phone. She knows the passwords on my phone. She knows the passwords on my computer. And on purpose sometimes I'll leave my phone. And when the text goes off, I'll ask her, who is that? I want her to look at my phone. I'm doing that on purpose to show her, you can trust me. I've got nothing to hide. She'll, she'll look, she'll say, it's so-and-so. I'll ask her, well, look at it and see what they said. And in little ways, I'm showing her that she can trust me. Now, because we're human beings, Maybe you have broken trust. And let me say this. To build real life-given relationships, you're going to disappoint people. You're going to be late sometimes with your friends. Well, when you are, text them and tell them, I'm sorry, I'm running late. Call them on the phone and say, forgive me. I, 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 you're valuable. I, I didn't plan on traffic. Own your responsibilities. If, if, if you don't come through on your assignment at work, go to your boss. Don't wait for them to come to you. Take responsibility. Say, I'm sorry. I didn't meet the deadline. I'm going to do better. I'm working on it. You see, when you take responsibility, you take the tension out of the relationship. And you let people know you can trust me. If you've broken trust in your marriage, it's your responsibility to restore that trust. It's not your spouse's responsibility to restore the trust. If you broke the trust, it's your responsibility. Give your spouse 
your passwords. Give your spouse your passcodes and let them know you can look at my computer. You can check my phone. I want to instill trust in you. I want to tell you when you do that, you begin to give people confidence. They begin to have trust and they will extend that trust back to you. And before long, you will begin to reap out of that relationship what you're putting into that relationship. So the first building block, if we're going to build life-giving relationships, is the building block of trust. The second building block is the building block of honesty. And you can't have honesty if you don't have trust. And you can't have trust if you don't have honesty. And what I mean by that is, People need to be understood, so listen to them. Will, will, you, will you help me? Will you put your hand up like this like you're listening? Just listen to them. See, my wife had, had many things inside of her because of the abuse that she suffered. And she needed my understanding. And the way that people are, feel understood is when you listen to them, when you let them talk, when you say you're valuable and you can be honest with me, you can open your heart and you, you create honesty by listening and not just listening so that you can attack them, not just listening so you can prepare a better response. No, the Bible says this in Proverbs 18 verse 15. It says, wise men and women are always learning, always listening for fresh insights. See, you, you, you show people that you want to understand when you're willing to listen to them. And, and the Bible goes on to say this in Proverbs 18, 13. To answer before listening is both stupid and, say it, both stupid and I remember last week, if you were here last week, rude. Yeah. If we're not careful in relationships, we're always doing the talking. We just interrupt people and we want to fix it. And we want to tell them we know what's best. And a lot of times in our marriage relationships, we do that. We, we want to win the conversation and we want to fix each other. And really, we just need to be understood. I was a very uh, angry person when me and my wife got married. And she didn't know that until after we got married because I knew how to fake love. Come on. But soon after we were married, she saw that anger. and I could talk her down. I could win any argument. I could just get louder and meaner, and I could just shut her up. One day she was hanging pictures on the wall. And... Uh, and I was telling her she was doing it the wrong way, you know, because I know better. And she was explaining to me why she wanted the pictures. And I kept telling her, well, no, that doesn't look right. Listen to me. I, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm older than you. I've, I've done this before. And so she's trying to explain. Finally, I looked at her and I said, well, if you want to do it, do it. But it's stupid. And I turned around and I walked off. And the hammer that she was hanging pictures with hit me in the back of the head. She knocked me out. Really? 
Now, when I came to, she was crying and she apologized. But she told me that day, she said, Frankie, you're a better talker than I am. You get louder than I do and you win every argument. She said, you're winning the battle, but you're losing the war because you're losing my love. See, here's what the Bible says. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 19, God knew something about us. He said this, Husband, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. What my wife needed was for me to listen. In fact, I want to show you a little video clip. Watch this video. There's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head it is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on, Ow. if you would just- Don't! Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 21. It says, the wise man, everybody say this out loud with me, the wise man learns by listening. I had to learn this in my relationships with my friends. I, I had to learn this as a pastor. So I come up, I come up with an exercise I want to teach you. I learned to do this whenever my wife wanted to talk to me. Whenever I had counseling appointments with people in my church. Even, even in my friendships, I learned to just put my hands on the table, put my hands together with my fingers just like this, and let me tell you, that did two things. First, it reminded me, shut up, and the second thing it did was it drew your attention to the fact that I'm not talking, I'm listening. That's the way you build life-giving relationships. You do it on purpose. The Bible says this, again, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3 and verse 7. I'm picking on men today because I'm one of them. 
This is what the Bible says. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding. And I say it like this. If you will learn to listen and start trying to understand, it will be a treat to the people that you're in relationship with. If we get these building blocks in the right place, it doesn't mean that everything will be perfect. It doesn't mean that things won't be missing in our relationships from time to time. But what it does mean is even though things go missing, if we have the right building blocks in place, our relationships will not fall apart. Here's the third building block I want to give you. And it's the building block of commitment. People make mistakes, so forgive them. People make mistakes, so forgive them. We all make mistakes. You make mistakes. I make mistakes. We're human beings. When we, when we start extending trust and building honesty, we're doing this with imperfect people. Listen, there's no perfect relationship. There's no perfect friendship. There's no perfect job. There's no perfect family. There's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect church. In fact, when you find one and you become a part of it, it won't be perfect anymore because we are imperfect. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 12. Be devoted to one another. Be devoted to one another. Be committed to one another. What, what builds life-giving, lasting relationships is when you look at somebody and say, I'm committed to this relationship. I'm not going to walk in and walk out every time you make a mistake. I, I'm going to be a forgiver. I'm not going to throw up your mistakes to you all the time. Love, here's what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. I love this verse. Love overlooks mistakes. Say that out loud with me. Love overlooks. But if you keep bringing them up and bringing them up and bringing them up, you'll devastate friendships. You'll devastate relationships. I know you're saying, but you, you don't know what they did to me. That's true. You don't know what's been done to me. As a young boy, when I was four years old, I was sexually abused. Now, you would have never known that. When I was eight years old, I was sexually abused again. When I was nine years old, I tried to take my own life. I'm not just preaching theory. See, see, the greatest difficulty some of us have in our relationships today is not even coming from the relationship that we're in. But it's coming from some past relationship. Somebody who hurt us, somebody who wounded us. And because of that experience, because we've never forgiven, we make other people pay 
for what somebody else did in our relationship. Commitment means I'm going to stay here and I'm going to be here. But you don't know what they did to me. You're right. But let me tell you what Jesus Christ did for you. I want to show you a picture. God so loved you, he gave his son. Jesus came not for his sin, but for your sin, for my sin, because of our mistakes, because of our wrongs. They took a whip. It wasn't just one whip. It was nine different whips in one. And in each strip, bone was tied in it so that when they beat his back, it ripped his flesh apart. Then they took thorns. I've been to Israel. I've seen them. They're about this long. And they made a crown. And they didn't just place it on his head. The Bible says they took rods and beat it into his head. Then they took him and they nailed nails in his hands and in his feet and hung him naked on a cross. Romans were experts at crucifixion. They hung people on crosses in busy parts of the city where everyone could walk by and see them. And the way a person died in crucifixion was not from the nails. It wasn't from the beating. It wasn't even from the thorns in their head. But hanging there on that cross, their body would spasm, quiver, until fluid would build up in their lungs. It's called asphyxiation. They would suffocate in the fluid in their lungs. So to keep from suffocating and trying to live, they would lift all of their weight up on the nails in their feet just to gasp for breath. And that would send pain through their body. And as Jesus Christ hung on that cross, when he lifted himself up to take a breath, here's what he said. Father, forgive them. No, I don't know what they did to you. But I know what Jesus did for you. So that you could be forgiven. And once we've been forgiven, it gives us the power to forgive others. I don't know today. This may be your first time or your first time in a long time. And you may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ today. You, you may have never been forgiven. You may have never sensed what it's like to be free from the mistakes that you've made. Today I want to give you an opportunity to receive the love and the forgiveness of God. I want to give you an opportunity to receive the very life of God into your life. I don't know how you came in today. I don't know what your relationships are like. But you can leave this place today with the power of life, the power of Jesus living in you and through you.
so that you can extend forgiveness to others. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter number four. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Jesus, has forgiven you. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right where you are and close your eyes. You're here today and I don't know what's been done to you. But I know this. If you're going to build life-giving relationships, today you need to let someone go. You don't wait on an emotion or a feeling. But because you've been forgiven, you need to choose to forgive. Some of you need to text somebody, call somebody, write an email. Some of you need to go to somebody and say, I cancel the debt. I forgive you. You're going to find out in, in setting them free, you're going to set yourself free. So that you can build life-giving relationships. God loves you today. And if you're here today and you'd like to receive the forgiveness of God. All the shame, all the guilt of every mistake. You can be free today. I want to give you an opportunity to receive that. To give your life to Jesus. To trust that when he died on the cross, it was for you. And when he rose again, it was so you could live a brand new life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to count to three. Front to back, left to right. And if today you say, Today, I want to receive the forgiveness of God. I want to surrender the rest of my life. I want to live the rest of my life for God. If that's your choice, when I say three, will you just put your hand in the air right where you are? One, two, three. Put your hand. God bless you. God bless you. All over this room, men and women are saying yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. You can put your hand down with heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to lead you in a prayer. There's nothing magical about the prayer. But if you believe in your heart today as you say this prayer, God is watching. He, he hears you. He knows what's in your heart. And today... Something supernatural is going to take place in your life. I'm going to ask everybody, even, even if you've known the Lord for many years, even if you've been at IC Maidan since the first day it began, will you help me and repeat this prayer after me? Left to right, front to back. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I'm wrong, and you're right. I believe Jesus died for me. Forgive me. Come into my life. I give my life to you. 
I want to live the rest of my life for you. Jesus, use me to build life-giving relationships. I give you my life. It's in your name I pray.